0: Hey guys, it's Aww. Teresa. And Kerrigan. Welcome back to this week of Women Behind the Camera. This week, we are going to be exploring Once Upon a Time
1: in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Let's hop right into a synopsis. The story explores the failing career of actor Rick Dalton, who used to star in television westerns, but now cannot find a job in Hollywood. He copes by spending time with his stunt double and close friend, Cliff Booth. The story intertwines with director Roman Polanski and actress Sharon Tate retelling a harrowing story of the actress's fate. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, it's definitely not like any of the Tarantino movies I've seen before.
0: Yeah, he definitely follows a similar formula, using a historical event and twisting it in his own way, but... It's a little bit atypical, because it's not as violent as his other movies are. Yeah, we
1: don't really see the violence until right at the very last second, at the peak of the story. So, I feel like, let's get into what we liked about the movie. Definitely. Would you like to start? Yeah, I will. Um, I really liked the aspects of hidden exposition that they... Brought up throughout the movie, the and how they also intertwined with some of his different movies. Mm-hmm. Like the flamethrower scene at the beginning of the movie just had a direct correlation to Inglorious Bastards, yep. And then we see that same flamethrower, which at the beginning Rick Dalton is just doing his shot for the movie in, we see that brought back right at the very end. As he pulls it out of the shed to, do, to kill the hippies in the end.
0: Yeah. So I
1: really liked that, um, how they brought that full circle. And then also the tooth click that um, Cliff Booth does with Brandy, his yes. dog. At the beginning, it's just a simple little tooth click that lets Brandy go get her food. And we don't really think too much of it. But then at the very end, we hear that same little...
0: Mm-hmm. And Brandy
1: just attacks. And it's the star of the show when she dismembers so many of the (laughs) the wonder. I wonder
0: if she's killed people before.
1: That's a good question. She knew a little bit what she was doing. She knew what
0: she was doing. (laughs) Um, I really liked the shot cuts. Um, At one point, there's a conversation with Rick and one of his co-stars for the new television show that he's doing, where he's the villain, and to show their conversation and how it progresses, there are these jump cuts that are used. Um, and at first I thought my movie was skipping. I was like, what's going on? But then I realized it was used to show the passage of time, and that occurs again during um, the part where Rick has just finished a scene and he thinks he did a horrible job because he forgot his lines, and he's, like, yelling at himself in his RV and his trailer, and he's like, ah, ah, and the, there are just tons of jump cuts. So that was really cool. And I think one of my favorite moments was Rick's conversation with Marabella mm-hmm. and um, how that kind of conversation really got the wheels spinning in his head again. And she, like, inspired him to, to be a better actor and yeah. to not be, like, a Debbie Downer and kind of just getting down on himself. Mm-hmm. So I liked that part. I also, talking
1: about the cuts, there was also a really good scene of Cliff Booth on the roof. Which was a great cut there, which I didn't... It was so good that I didn't even realize, like, what was going on. It was just... It flowed so easily when Cliff Booth is on a roof, and we see him kind of thinking, and we hear in the background Rick Dalton's voice, and it kind of flashed back, flashes back to... It's almost like a dream sequence. Yeah. To a moment when he is trying to be a stunt double, and there's, like, a whole scene with Bruce Lee. Is that the name? Yeah, Bruce Lee. Yes, and then it kind of comes back to reality, and it clicks in his mind, like, oh, that's why I didn't get the job to (laughs) step double. But the shot there was just... It was a really good jump cut there.
0: Let's also talk about that moment, because it's super important, where Cliff is on the roof, and I believe you picked up on this, because I didn't. Charles Manson goes to the Polanski residence, and is looking for some of his old friends, and they no longer live there. And I didn't actually know anything really about the Manson family Mm -hmm. before I watched the movie. Yeah.
1: So I was really confused the entire time. Yeah, Um, it took me a couple watches. I've officially watched this movie five times, and there's still new things that I'm picking up every time I watch it. But... Apparently, so he drives up the road in a Twinkie truck. Yes. Which he actually drove in real life, which is also a little aspect that I didn't pick up on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it kind of introduces Manson there.
0: One of the motivations for the reason that he killed Sharon Tate in real life is because uh, if you didn't know, Manson made music. One of his songs was actually in the soundtrack Mm -hmm. of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I heard that they had gotten into a bit of a dispute just, like, through people because he wanted to do a song with her or something or with one of the residents there, mm-hmm. and um, they didn't want to do it with him. Oh. So I heard, like, that that could be just, like, bogus, but mm-hmm. I believe that I read it somewhere that that was part of a motive.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah. I did not even know about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a perfect little transition into what we didn't like. Yes. About the movie, Kerrigan, if you'd want to start there since that kind of leads in with your Manson family thing.
0: Yes, I didn't think that they personally for me made the Manson family cult um, clear enough because when they go to the 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 residence of the, the farm kind of deal, um, they say Charlie, mm-hmm. but I really only know him as Charles Manson mm-hmm. so for me I was a little bit confused. I was like, who is this Charlie guy? What's kind of going on? And then and they never really say Manson either. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that's where it lost me. Um, so I think the ac- accessibility of characters, for someone who might not know the history, this is definitely a movie where you'd want to know the history. So mm-hmm. like for me, Inglourious Bastards* was a little bit easier to unpack because I think World War Two is just such a widely widely accessed and, um, researched topic and historical events, so definitely do your background research if you're gonna watch this movie. Yeah, and
1: I also think that for our location in America, like, being on the East Coast, you know, a lot of things that happen on West Coast we aren't really knowledgeable on, and just some of the, the little motifs that he includes in the movie that are very California and very West Coast, um centralized is just we can't really pick up on just because we don't know the full story there. And Tarantino also discloses that this movie is a love letter to
0: his childhood. Mm-hmm. So in countless interviews, he's like, this is my Los Angeles, this is my Hollywood, like, this is this is where I grew up. And so he
1: kind of knows the ins and outs of all these places. Mm-hmm. There was a major aspect of this film, which I did not like. And that was the way that Sharon Tate was portrayed. And I i know, I'm going to say it before I begin, I know that the sister of Sharon Tate really loved the way uh, Tarantino portrayed her because of just the little actions she did and the way she acted throughout the movie. But I feel like there was really no depth to her character. And I wanted more from her. We saw her a lot from the male gaze, which is just... In a completely sexualized way where she has no real true emotion. She's just kind of running around, listening to music. There was... Kerrigan pointed out a shot where she's going to see her own movie. And the whole time when she's walking across the street, we can see men looking at her. And the shot is from a downward angle. So we... Like, the main focus of the screen is just, like, a shot almost up her skirt.
0: Yeah, it's like... The, the camera pans up and down, so mm-hmm. it's, like, her skirt, her feet, her skirt, her feet. It's yeah. just focusing on her legs the entire time. Yeah. Which, for, like, in the male gaze, I guess, is, like, a sex symbol. Yeah.
1: I just wish we could have seen more of a character arc from her, because she... I see how the story was important to the very ending, but I also feel like if we just took her out of the equation, the story could have gone completely the
0: same. Yeah, because she wasn't she wasn't killed off. Like, mm-hmm. she actually was in real life. Yeah. So I definitely, yeah, I agree with you there. And an interviewer actually called out Tarantino and mm-hmm. was like, I really feel like you used Margot Robbie as a, as a, a sex symbol here, mm-hmm. and you didn't give her as many lines as the other A-listers in the cast, and this and that, and Tarantino is basically like, it's my movie, I get to do what I want to do. Yeah. Which makes sense, but also is kind of like...
1: Hmm. It's a little sad to see, especially that she was marketed as one of the three main characters. I mean, going on press tours with the two other men, mm-hmm. being one of the three main characters in the poster. And then she gets so little lines compared to both. Um, Most of her screen time is just her body. Yeah. 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 Which I is really disappointing to me.
0: Shall we kind of look at what other people thought about the movie? Let's go ahead. Rotten Tomatoes giving us an eighty-five percent, IMDb with a seven point six out of ten, and Metacritic with an eighty-three percent. How do you feel about these ratings? A little low. I agree. In my
1: opinion, I would have given it a little higher.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Technically, (laughs) technically,
1: very good. Like I don't know. Yeah, I just it was just so visually appealing. Like the set design. It was just so fun to watch. Set design is something we just completely skipped over in Likes. Set design was insane! Yeah. How do you just turn in... How do you just turn so many streets of L.A. into... Back back into the 60s. Yeah. Take them back in time. It was insane. I agree. And all the old cars and clothes. Just, wow. I just loved this movie. This Uh, movie did not win as much as I thought it was going to. Yeah. It was nominated for a lot. Let's go through that nominations list. We have Leonardo DiCaprio for Best Actor, Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Costume Design, Best Sound Editing, Best Cinematography, and Best Sound Mixing. That's a total of eight nominations that they didn't win. Mm-hmm. And then they won Best Production Design and Best Supporting Actor went to Brad Pitt, which I completely agree with that. I mean, it was brain, great. Brad Pitt carried this movie. Yes. He and was really the
0: underdog here. So, when he was in the car with Pussycat, he was actually driving. Mm. They closed off a oh, whole, whole street sunshine. Wow. during the day mm-hmm. in Hollywood. The traffic
1: from that must have been insane. I don't even want to think about that. Literally. Oh, my goodness. And breast production design, obviously, very deserved.
0: Yeah. Very I think deserved. I think that they probably should have gotten... Maybe, like, I don't I don't know the other nominees for that year. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with who won the other categories, but... Costume? Costume design, yeah. Yeah,
1: I completely agree.
0: I also feel like we need to touch upon the little baby starlets we have in this movie.
1: Oh, for sure. Go ahead. Go All ahead. right,
0: so for starters, if you look at how the cast is divided, our newer and more up-and-coming actors, these are the actors that are... Really hitting the ground running. Like, Mm -hmm. the first couple things they've been in have been great quality hits and good productions. So this is the group of hippies that live in the Manson family cult. Mm -hmm. So we've got Tex, Austin Butler. Great.
1: Um, What's her name? Maya Hawk? Yep,
0: Maya Hawk. Uma Thurman's Thurman's daughter.
1: Daughter. And then Rumor Willis. We have Sydney Sweeney. Mm Mm-hmm. We have um, Lena Dunham, who isn't really one of the newer ones, but she was also a hippie.
0: Yes. Dakota Fanning, also mm-hmm. not new on the on the Hollywood scene. She uh, she was in Cat in the Hat with mm-hmm. Mike Myers, a <laughs> classic <the> film.
1: <laughs> Margaret Qualley was Pussycat. I'm so impressed with Margaret Qualley. Yeah, fairly, not like, I guess, new to the acting scene, but this was
0: really her breakout film, mm-hmm. I would say. Like,
1: yeah. this is what people will know her for. Yeah. And I loved it. It was such a great... She just really embodied that character so well. And it didn't even leave me, like, thinking, like... I mean, this is obviously their job, so they shouldn't leave me thinking, like, oh, this is just a performance. But it was just... It felt so real. Like, she really just was that hippie. Yeah, I, I think... loved her performance in it.
0: They did a really nice job. Also, I don't know her name, which is unfortunate, but the girl who plays Love in the show You was one of the horseback riders with Tex. Oh, yes. I don't know her name either. So, like, there were just tons of budding actors that were on the Manson family farm. Victoria Head Ready. Yes. So she was in it. This is just, like, it was pretty mind-blowing. And then you Mm -hmm. have the big A-listers, like, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Leo DiCaprio, 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 Kurt Russell, who's in the movie, and does some narrating, Mm -hmm. um... Luke Perry, this was one of his last films that he did. Um, So, yeah, there were just some some really great people in this movie. Some huge
1: names and some big up-and-coming names. Yes. All right, final thought time. Are we ready? Final thought time. I love this movie. I'm going to say that this is probably my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Maybe it's just because of how much I love the glamorized LA lifestyle. Maybe <laughs> that might be why. But just visually it was absolutely beautiful. The storyline, while it was meandering, kept me involved the whole time. I loved I actually really liked how it went between the three different storylines of the three characters, how they all had their own moments. Yes. <laughs> I just loved it. Okay, good. um i
0: absolutely love this movie as well um i have a different kind of a different way of connecting to it i'm uh living that east coast life haven't been out to the west coast so i haven't really been able to explore that but i think my favorite part about this movie is that there's never a dull moment mm-hmm. um even when things are mellow and they feel mellow there's always something to be looking for or to be looking at and i think that's why i really like it um I like Quentin Tarantino's other movies. I really enjoyed *Inglorious Bastards. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently watched Pulp Fiction and really enjoyed that one. So I just... I think I I just like the fast pace. But Mm -hmm. also, he slows it down enough where there's still stuff going
1: on. Especially with how many little symbols and everything he included in this one. I liked the slightly slower pace so that it could help you pick up on some of those little things. Like... This is just a little sidetrack, but did you know that the... You probably didn't know this because you watched the... the Yeah. But the set for the Western... Yes, was a real set. Was a real set for Django Unchained. Yes. Like, just all the drawbacks to his other movies were great.
0: Yeah, I I love how he does that. He includes little pieces of himself. This was the ninth Quentin Tarantino movie, yeah. wow. so I believe we're only looking at one more. His plan is to make ten films and be done. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's not the case, because I really love watching Quentin Tarantino movies. Talented
1: director that could definitely make so many more.
0: I think the reason he's doing it is the same reason he won't tell people what's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. (laughs) He really loves to just keep people on the edge of their seats. Keep people on their toes. uh, Join us next week when we will be talking about Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker.
1: Alright, I've never seen that one before, so I'm pretty excited. Me either. I actually haven't watched any of Catherine Bigelow's movies. I haven't either, I'm not gonna
0: lie. I'm not really a big action person, Mm -hmm. so we'll see. Yeah, something different for us. Alright, see you next week.
1: Bye!